in Hebrews 12 to continue our discussion. And by the way, these four pieces should be studied together. The first two, now this is the third, and I'll do a fourth um, in this series, and they should all be studied together. The first two have to do with the question of should we be going to church during the coronavirus? And this one um, has to do with, uh, the, the present one has to do with everything that can be shaken. Now, I want to go back to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. He compares Mount Zion with uh, Mount Sinai and we see uh, Jehovah Jireh provides is is the meaning behind the name Jerusalem where he said, but you have come, verse 22, you have not come to Sinai, you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. This is the general assembly to which he's speaking of. This is the Panguri uh, of which he's speaking, Panguris, P-A-N-E-G-U-R-I-S, which is uh, the universal companionship or the general assembly. It's when it's done and when the bride and the spirit agree that it's done. But in the process you're being assembled. This is looking to the end of the assembling, the pan, which is usually the term global or universal or general. But in the episynagogue, the actual fitting together of the parts, the absurdity that we would even think that meeting together on Sundays is what is implied by this, when a vastly more glorious picture of what the assembling of the body is, is what the scriptures speak about. You know, I, I, I am exasperated at times with the ignorance of the scriptures that is routinely practiced by preachers and uh, pastors. But by the way, do you know what the word preacher actually means? As in Romans 10, 17, which says, so in faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God, the word of God comes by a preacher how shall he preach unless he be sent? And uh, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel of peace. The word therefore preacher is the word 
sent one or curex it's a, it's a herald it's the word for a, one who sounds a trumpet or blows uh, a, a, a trumpet to announce the word of a king that's the word preacher it's the word herald k e u r e x k u k e u r e u x Karux is the word. And it, it means a herald. What does that imply to you? A herald. See, we think anybody who puts on a suit and goes and quotes the Bible is a preacher. No, it's a term of art. It's a term of art. It's a karux. It is a herald. What does a herald imply? A herald implies a king, a messenger being brought from a king is by a herald and usually you recognize a herald as coming from a king because he wears the king's livery. The word livery, L-I-V-E-R-Y, livery means colors. He wears the king's, he wears clothing that are appropriate to one who represents the king. Well, in the scriptures, of course, clothing is a metaphor for our position or habitation. I counsel you to buy of me fine raiment wherewith you may be clothed, that the nakedness of your shame does not appear. Buy of me fine raiment, the one speaking being the Lord Himself, speaking to the seven churches of Asia through John in the first few chapters of the book of Revelation. It's wearing the king's livery and making an announcement on behalf of the king. It is not just anybody who goes to preaching school or who takes a fancy to preaching. That's why there's so much ignorance of the word, because it's interpreted domestically, it's interpreted to the logical mind. These are not karuks, heralds. It's the word that comes by a herald that increases our hearing of God. Now it's possible to have the word of a herald be brought from the king, but that word be rejected. Why? Because people will hear People who don't want to change will hear what they want to hear, they will, like they will see what they want to see, so they enjoy the condition of seeing and seeing not, hearing and hearing not, neither understanding, neither do they understand. So whatever is written in the Scriptures is there for all to see, but people don't see and they don't hear 
because they're looking for what they want to hear, looking to see what they want to see. When a herald comes, he opens the word because a herald wears the colors of the king. A herald has loyalty to the king to bring with integrity the word of the king because the herald is accountable to the king. In fact, he is the mouthpiece of the king. So if we live in a democracy, of course anybody can apply for and get whatever job they want to. And if you want a job with the church, you just need to go and uh, go to their seminaries and, and the like and get what they're teaching and then they'll send you out to make another church like the one you came from. And that's where people are. And the people are deceived because no real heralds or very few who are real heralds of the king are actually speaking today. The assembling of the body, you see, viewed from the standpoint of the eternal and consistent with the message from the king is a most dramatically different thing than meeting on Sundays and calling that the assembling. I want to address straight up what the assembling is because it's not meeting at church on Sunday. Now look, I don't have anything against any group of people meeting for any reason. I don't even have any problems with people meeting on Sundays for church purposes, but don't call that the assembling of the body of Christ because it's not. It's not. When and how the meetings of believers should take place is determined by the governmental order that God has put them under and that governmental order is the order of fathers. It's not about what's determined at headquarters and you write uh, prayers that are to be said and the order of services that are to be gone through and it's the same thing year after year after year. That's not it. That whole system is falling down now because it's not about that. That was never what God was doing. But God winked at it in the time when it was permitted. But now He's changing things and they're going to go back to what He originally intended. And in the process, you're watching as He debunks all manner of ridiculous doctrines. And I'm saying you're going to see these churches that insist on meeting on Sundays, you're going to see among many of them that they become epicenters of new outbreaks of this virus. And when it happens, understand that they did not accurately speak about what the assembling is. Their claim of a divine mandate as the basis of doing that is false because it does not track with the Scriptures. So I've taken the time to show you what the assembling of the body of Christ is. It's not that, it's being done against the day, the day of the Lord's return when it will all be gathered together and the bride and the Spirit will agree that it's time for the Lord to come back. That's the day.
And if you forsake your being placed accurately, then you're without a place in the body of Christ. Then you're subject to the fierce wrath and judgment of God inasmuch as it'll come on the disobedient and the unbelievers alike. Now, I want to read this to you about what the assembly looks like. And this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as it regard, uh, starting at verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So he's saying the body, there are many members, but one body. There's one body and many members. That's what he's saying. And he's speaking about the human body. And then he makes the analogy because that's the point of his reference to analogize to the body of Christ. So he says, so also is Christ. In other words, so also is the body of Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether we, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now, for in fact the body is not one member but many. And he goes on to talk about the parts of the body and then the necessary functions in the whole. Even such matters as honorable members of the body and less honorable members of the body. And then he talks about the interrelationship of the parts of the body. So much so that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members are honored. And he says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, etc. And for what purpose? To build up the body and to cause it to function. So that's the text of 1 Corinthians 12 as it speaks of the assembling of the body. But the key verse here is verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one Spirit were all baptized, we were all baptized into one body. So how were you placed, how is anyone placed in the body of Christ? By the Spirit of God. Now this isn't a baptism of the Spirit, which is for the purpose of empowerment, because the Spirit carries the dunamis of God's exousia, the Spirit is God's executive, He's the exousia of God's dunamis, of God's power of which we become then the plenipotentiaries. We become the executive workings out, meaning we are the ones through whom the power of God is projected in the earth. 
But in order to have that, we have to be hardwired into the body and the only way for that to happen is by the Spirit of God in His function to assemble the body together. Hmm? Now, throughout the ages, the body of Christ has been assembled since the first century, both in heaven and on earth. And the body that is on the earth is the present day expression of all that Christ is and does in the earth. This body is destined to reach maturity. So Paul would even put it this way, when I was a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child and I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So in the history of the church, its evolution is not unlike a human child, its evolution is from an infant who's born, growing through the stages of maturity and coming to fullness. Individually that happens and corporately that also happens. Because the thing that the Spirit is assembling in the earth is what is called the Bride of Christ and the Body of Christ. They're one and the same thing, but we should not consider the Bride of Christ in a romantic way. We've done that and we've had popular writers and theorists who found a way to sell large numbers of books by creating uh, this notion of a divine romance that sounds more like paper, a paperback novel. In fact, some of the most popular uh, uh, Christian writers uh, in recent times have attempted to build a relationship between Christ and the church along the lines of the emotions of a woman and a man, and mostly speaking of the emotions that a woman would have toward a man. That's silly. It's silly, it's uninformed, but it sells millions of books. Because we approach this issue sentimentally. Uh, and, and human beings can make the jump logically if what you do is you drag out, there's this one particular writer I'm thinking about right now, whose forte is to drag out every nuance of what an emotion might be like and attributes that to how the bride ought to see the husband you know, with doe eyes and a fluttering heart and all of that um, uh, dime store novel foolishness. No, when God created man and woman, woman was created to carry the seed of the man. The bride is about the one who is created to receive the seed of the husband. Receive with meekness the engrafted word.
the Scriptures say. For the words are spirit and life. The words are not just descriptive, they carry the life of the one who is the Word, like the human seed, the male seed, carries the life of the male in it to procreate according to the order of its origin. So if you receive the Word of God who is Christ, imparted into your spirit by the Holy Spirit, that pregnancy will not be, uh, that pregnancy will be in the womb of the mind and it'll change your mind and you will have the mind of Christ and you will grow up in the understanding that is common to Christ, so you will become like Him. It's not this silly dime store novel, artfully written, beautifully portrayed on the cover with, with art, it's not that that soppy sentimentality, and if anything, that's just coffee table book. It's not that, it's a feel-good book that makes you feel like you're fine the way you are without doing anything to change your mind, because it's the reset of your mind in the truth, that's the biblical concept of repentance. You repent from acts that lead to death when your mind is renewed by the Word of God that accurately reflects the sayings of Jesus as the Spirit ministers those words to the mind of your spirit. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirits that we are the sons of God. So the continuing work of the Spirit is to build up the body of Christ and He does it both uh, internally with the Word and externally with the governmental forms. But key to all of this is the accuracy of the representation of the Word and that comes by a karux, that comes by a herald who himself has been cultured to the strict standards of the king and that's why not everybody is a herald. God is very particular. Those who represent Him have been made to be like Him, so that in their manner, in their deportment, in the substance of what they bring and say, they might help to align the the body of Christ to the purposes of God. Now that assembling that we're talking about, that episynagogo, that assembling is something that the Holy Spirit does and the result of which is called the body of Christ. That's not a meeting on Sundays under some pastor. That's the permanent work of God in the earth 
that Jesus came to initiate and the Holy Spirit came to perfect and that will be done. In the meantime, you see, every aspect of this assembling is being orchestrated to produce in the end a man in the earth who is exact in representing the image and likeness of Christ. And that exactitude is measured according to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, of the fourth chapter, I'm sorry, according to the fullness of the standard that belongs to Christ, fullness of the stature that belongs to Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful schemings. We'll be able to hear and see that these charlatans who are advocating that you risk life and limb because of their childish understanding of Scripture, requiring them to come down in the midst of a coronavirus uh, epidemic, pandemic, and meet in some building because that's the quintessence of obedience to God, that's a child's doctrine. That's a child's doctrine. That is not the assembling. The assembling is done by the Holy Spirit and it's a permanent connection, bone to His bone, to enable you, the permanence of this connection is to enable the Christ in you to function as He means to function through your particular body and form. He gave you gifts and He called you and He's training and preparing you so that in that way He can function in your environment because the assembling of the body is not only so that there is a body but that the body may put on display the very nature and character of God Himself as once put on display in the earth by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself and now through the assembled corporate man who is the body of Christ so that the world can see the exactitude of the nature of God, the very image and likeness of Christ. This, you see, is the real assembly and there's a day against which this will be done. In the meantime, this disease and the attendant circumstances are causing a profound change of leadership throughout the church structure because it's this that has kept the people in bondage to these false traditions that have kept the people from being able to grow up into the fullness of Christ and with the removal of these doctrinal traditions, God is also removing the leaders who perpetrated this fraud against the people of God. It is the time for that. God will not wink at it any longer. And that's why you're seeing the summary, the summary dismissal of iconic figures and the debunking of entire strains of theology that have falsely robbed the people of God of being able to stand in and walk in the truth. 
We'll talk about that in the next time. Thanks.